We packed up everything that we had in a U-Haul van, sold everything else and came down on a wing in a prayer. We had no idea what we were doing, but we knew what felt good to us. Welcome to Founder Stories, a show about ordinary people on a journey to build their own exceptional businesses. I'm Brian Scudamore, founder and CEO of O2E Brands. We're home to 1-800-GOT-JUNK, WOW One Day Painting, and Shack Shine. I started my business hauling junk as an 18-year-old paying his way through college. 30 years later, we're 250 franchises strong. I've learned a few lessons along the way, the most important one being that it's all about people. And I mean all about people. So I'm on a mission to uncover the founders' stories of some of our most inspiring people. From the decisions that lead them to take the leap, to the celebrations and lessons that follow. On today's show, what does it take to invest in one of the first 1-800-GOT-JUNK franchises and build a $5 million junk removal empire? Jamie Gold has the answer because she did it. This is her story. So who have I got with me? Hi, it's Jamie Gold and I'm from California. I currently have the Silicon Valley franchise and the Portland Metro franchise. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Medicine Hat, Alberta. So you're in Medicine Hat, a relatively small city or town, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you got a childhood dream, I'm sure, like every kid on the planet. What did you really dream of being when you were a grown up? I didn't dream. What did I dream about being as a grown up? Wasn't any one thing in, in specifics. I entertained a bunch of ideas, but I always thought that I would end up somewhere in like the health and medical fields, whether it was as a physical therapist or ultimately as a physician or all of those those intertwining areas. It was always something in that field that gave me a pull. So did you ever think you'd find yourself in junk? No, never. Um, I was actually just graduating from a biological sciences degree and well on my way to becoming a physician when the opportunity came into our lab and I thought, go to California, spend two years and that would be great. Did I ever think junk would be a long-term plan? No. So that is such a contrast. I mean, if I think, and I've known you for years, you and your husband, Bronick, but if I think of the fact that you were going to medical school, you were going to become a doctor. What a massive change in in direction. Tell me more. Well, it's interesting. So when you were in high school, they always had you do what we call as a painted picture. Um, But they did it in a much more scaled down version. And they had you write out where you saw yourself in the future and what you would like to be doing. And one of the two things that was always clearly defined for me is that I would live in either Florida or California. And so when the opportunity to come down for the franchise in California came up, to me, it was a no brainer. It was Med school will always be there. If they let me in once, someone will let me in twice, but I may not ever have another opportunity to really get down to California and enjoy it. And then how did 1-800-GOT-JUNK come about? We were very, very close friends with one of the other um, franchise partners, and we got a phone call saying, hey, I would love for you to come down and work on this opportunity with me. And we said sure and so we ended up coming down in a full partnership with the franchise in san francisco 
purchased the Silicon Valley territory after that, and it kind of evolved into this one big happy family. Take me back just to what you were feeling. I mean, you were you were in Canada. Yeah, it was crazy, Brian. You know, we were in Canada and we packed up everything that we had in a U-Haul van, sold everything else and came down on a wing in a prayer. Found this tiny little apartment in the middle of the dot-com boom. And there were two trucks sitting there when we got there. And Tom and his brother Bram worked on one of those trucks. And Bronick and I took took the reins on the other truck. We divided the city of San Francisco into two, two chunks. And away we went. We had no idea what we were doing. We had no idea really how to charge or what customers were looking for. But we knew what felt good to us. And that's that's what we did. So what was the attraction to not go back to medical school? Why did you stick with 1-800-GOT-JUNK? You know, the reason that I stuck with 1-800-GOT-JUNK is, is we say it all the time. It's magical. There's something about it. I just can't put my finger on it that makes you want to stay, whether it's the customers that we have in the field, it's the employees that you have, it's the culture that you have in your office, it's it's everything in, in between, it's what we do for the, the environment, it's the feel-good feeling, um, it's all of those things, it's, it's a business that you grow in and it's never stagnant as the business evolves and as you grow, there's always new opportunities and new challenges and new things to learn and I think that's that's something that keeps you there. And lastly, I think because we were one of those early adopters of Got Junk, it's it's so fantastic to be a part of something that's grown into something as large as it is. And it's amazing how much your life has changed. You know, I, I knew you guys from the early days. I still remember your husband, Bronick, pulling up on El Camino. There I was. I saw the <laughs> junk truck and I wave him down and he's like, oh, my gosh, that's Brian. And he comes up to say hello. And he's got, I think, your dog and cat in the uh-huh. uh, in the truck. Yep, yep. Boston and Tano were in the truck with us that day. Absolutely. That's a good memory. I forgot about that one. <laughs> so the entrepreneurship, the the fact that you and Bronick have started this business and built a great life. Did entrepreneurship run in the family? Did you see yourself becoming an entrepreneur? No, I've never really looked at myself as an entrepreneur. But as I learn more about what that is and what other people look like, I definitely can see myself put into that that particular title or box. And now tell me about the Portland business a little bit. How did that come about? Tom Ritma and Bronick and myself decided to split our business and go on our own independent ways. And at that point in time, uh, Portland was available and we called my sister, who is one of the the best operators I know and asked her if she'd like to come into business with us. And so she has ownership um, and has the reins in Portland. So not only did you relocate uh, yourself and Bronix to (laughs) to the U S but now you've, you've brought your sister along and she's running the, the, the uh, Portland operation and she's a partner in that ownership. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. She's a substantial partner in the ownership And I don't know, as I say, got junk is family. So why not allow your family, your real family to come in and and be a part of it? So did you ever think that you would have two businesses that total almost $10 million in in revenue? Never in my wildest dreams. There was never a point in my life where I ever fathomed that we would be at the position that we're in. Um, I always knew I would do okay. I always knew I would find my way. Um, but this has superseded any any dream or painted picture I ever wrote in high school. And how's it changed your life? 
it's changed my life in many different ways, right? It changes my life because, you know, my dad always used to talk about swimming in a fishbowl and that fishbowl is a certain size. And once you get into a bigger fishbowl, you realize there's so many more wonderful things out there. And I think Got Junk has allowed my fishbowl to be one of the largest tanks that I could have imagined. It's amazing. What's what's the culture like in your business? I know that you guys really pride yourselves on on hiring great people and retaining great people. What's the culture like in one eight hundred Got Junk in in Silicon Valley? Yeah, you know it's interesting. I the culture is one of those key pieces to any business, I believe, um, and I think that that's come from from the top down, and it's something that Got Junk in in all aspects preaches is is making sure that you have your culture. And we were an early adopter of something that came out of a breakout session, and I put together a Craigslist posting back in the day that was called "Superheroes Wanted: Civilians Will Be Considered." And if you know much about Craigslist, they allow you to get a little creative with their posts. And we threw that up on Craigslist. It was help a hoarder, save a little old lady, and, you know, in the job description, et cetera. And it really spoke to a unique group of individuals. And it's one of those things that we've held on to. And we translate that right from the posting all the way into the office. We have monthly awards called the Superman Award and, you know, all those, those little things. And I think it really gives, gives the team a sense of, of fun yet purpose. Um, and it makes it a, a place that you want to continue to work at. I love that. I didn't even know about that ad. That's so funny. The, the things that happen as the, the business <laughs> gets bigger that you, you never hear of. So I've known you for years, but first time I've heard that story. Who's a superhero in your business? Oh my gosh, I've got so many superheroes. I can't. There'd be there. I would be. I would not be a good person if I just only said a superhero. I think every single person who works for me is a superhero in their own regard. They all bring something to the table, special, unique. They all have purpose, and and they're all pretty fantastic. Now, as a female, as a woman in the junk business, mm-hmm. what's that like? I mean, we we've always wanted more franchise uh, partners who are who are women. But for whatever reason, the junk removal business has just attracted more men. I think at our peak, 14% is the the number of uh, women that we had in the family. Um, but now you've brought in your sister, you, your sister-in-law is, uh, is in the business. What's that like? Yeah, people ask me that often, actually. Um, and I, I don't know if I just don't know any better, uh, but I... I love it. I feel like um, I feel like doors open sometimes easier for you because you're unexpected. Um, going back to those early, early days when we were working on the trucks, I used to bake cookies and bring them into the gentleman at the transfer station. And those are just, I, I think, stereotypically things that, that girls do. And <laughs> those tiny little things just have translated into so many wonderful opportunities. And as I say, open doors. And so my my time within junk has been relatively easy. No one has ever treated me like just a girl. Um, I have never ever felt for one minute that I wasn't anyone's equal or that I didn't have something that was you know interesting to share, et cetera. Well, we all know you're the brains behind the business. We love Bronick. <laughs> <laughs> we love Bronick and he's, he's great at a lot of things, but no, no, Bronick, Bronick's a great friend. Um, so you, you said it's it's been easy. I mean, you know, everybody's treated you well and nobody's ever treated you, as you said, you like just a girl. But 
I talk about all the time those WTF moments, the willing to fail times that happen in life and in business that seem to get in the way, but they're still a gift. There's still a moment that you can look at and say, wow, I learned something here that made me better. Was there a moment in the business where you were just almost literally saying, WTF, what am I doing? Oh, what yeah. decision have I made? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As you can imagine, and I'm going to go back to the early days just because it's really easy. Um, when you When you move from another country and you don't know anyone and you're working on the business and in the business and with your partner, whom you love, but you're with them for 24-7 and things don't always go perfectly. There were many moments where I, you know, thought to myself, or I did say, pull the truck over, I'm getting out. I just, like, mm. I don't know what, what to do here. I just need some space. And, you know, you do some soul searching and you really look into things. And those have been some serious WTF moments where you go, no, this is good. I like this. And you come back to that drawing table and you build this into something bigger and better. What's the biggest learning you've had in this business? If you could go back 15 years and go back to those early days to say, hey, you know what, Jamie? Everything's going to be okay because you're going to learn this. What, what have you learned? Your employees truly are your business. I've always known that hiring was critical and I've always known that, you know, not having enough employees could be the potential bottleneck of your business. Um, but I now believe fully that your employees make your business. They are the ones that are in the, the field and they're talking to your customers and they're talking about your brand and they're embodying your spirit. And they, they go out and they, they show all of our customers just how fantastic we are. And I think that finding those quality people, believing in them and allowing them to do what they're really good at is what really has the opportunity to make your business the best it can be. And I know you you don't want to single out any one of your amazing people, so let's <laughs> assume they're all awesome. But just, I'd love to hear a story about one of your superheroes. I'd love to hear somebody that you just recall a, a story or an anecdote about something they did that just really showed you they were the right person to help you build this business. Brian, that's such a tough one. Um, so I suppose I could talk about one particular employee and he is he is more of a character than any single employee I've ever met over the years. He has this unbelievable way to transform a conversation to anyone into something that means something to them. So whether it's the little old lady who needs something cleared out of his attic, he's the first one to grab the ladder, have a conversation with her, talk about all the items that's coming out, or he meets some young group of fraternity brothers who are trying to clear out after the summer and somehow figures out how to get not their room, but the next dorm room beside them all into one truck and figured out. He just, he has that ability to translate into whatever that customer is needing. He just understands how to connect with a fellow human being. Yeah, and really connect, really listen, and really take the time to think about something that he's done in his life that would be meaningful or um, important to the person who he's, he's working with. What has franchising meant for you? What's franchising meant for you and Bronick in terms of how it's either helped or hindered you building a business. Yeah, so what franchising means to me, Brian, is having help. 
having support and the sharing of ideas. I think that is the single most important benefit that has come from being as a part of a franchise. You you meet people who you align with, you have support from a corporate level, you have um, other franchise partners that, oh, hey, I've got this going on. Hey, have you tried this? Or, or the build-outs, the, the certain step-by-steps that help you get started when you really have no idea how to get started. Um, for me, that's that's what franchising has meant. What's been the, the, the most difficult part of your journey as an entrepreneur? What's been, what's been the hardest thing about building a business? Trying to figure out what you're really, really good at over time as the business evolves. I think really taking a look at the things that you like to do versus whether those things are the things that you need to do or are best at doing. Finding that right spot for you and, and sticking to it. I think that's been the most challenging thing. There's certain parts of this business that I absolutely enjoy. For instance, I think I could have stayed many, many years working on the trucks. I really, Mm -hmm. really liked that part of the business. I was Mm -hmm. good at it. I was great with customers. Um, But in all reality, that wasn't the best place for me once, once I reached my limit. One of the questions that's on my mind is you work with and live with your husband. You know, you've, you've got you've got partners in life and partners in business. That's a unique setting for most people. What's that like? It is unique, and I I think we manage um, because we have a great amount of respect for what each other does. Um, we very clearly have defined roles in the business, and they do not overlap. Um, I deal with more of the operations and the business in the day-to-day, and if it's a moving part or piece and it makes it tick, that would be me. Ronick is more of a numbers gentleman, so he likes the advertising and putting together the budgets and, and what are we going to do. I giggle that he writes down the numbers and then I actually make them happen. So, <laughs> uh-huh. Love it. Love it. There is a mutual respect for one another that that I don't need to, to police him and do his job, nor does he, you know, micromanage or try and figure out what I'm doing. However, should something come up, we're both really good at listening and seeing if we can help one another should we ask. Now, does business come home with the two of you at the end of the day or how do you deal with that? I think, I think, unfortunately, there's no way to escape it. When you both work in the business and it is your life and, and it's been such a part of your life for so long, it does come home. Um, the way we manage it, though, is just by figuring out whether or not it's the right time to talk about it or if we need to table a conversation and, and you know, leave it until the morning. There are some nights where you just can't handle anything more. And then there's other days where you're like, OK, this has been a great week. What have you got going on? Let's let's see if we can work through this. So I think that's how we navigate bringing the business home when it's inevitable that it will come. So if you saw yourself in the world of medicine or, you know, in the health industry, but you're now in the junk industry, something so contrasting, <laughs> what, what, what has 1-800-GOT-JUNK given you that uh, you probably wouldn't have received if you were in medicine? Absolute spirit. I think that when I look back in terms of the confines of, of maybe medicine or the, the confines of the healthcare and the, the rules and the regulations and all of those great things that are in place to save us, I feel like it may have squashed my spirit. 
it may not have allowed me to become the person that I am today and try all of these great things and and try all the radical ideas that we put onto trucks and and do with staff and and make things fun. You mentioned earlier in the the podcast or earlier in the interview about the painted picture, something we're all passionate about here at O2E Brands, but do you have a painted picture for your business? Yeah, I have a painted picture for my business. I we always have a painted picture for the business, and it it uh, defines you know a team where every team member embodies um, the culture of one eight hundred got drunk. Right, we're passionate, we're empathetic, uh, we love to build rapport with our customers and make sure that we we take care of them in any way possible. And these are the types of things that that come from the top down. That translates then into a customer experience that is unlike any one of our competitors because they're more concerned about the removal of junk where we're we're looking to create an experience for that customer. My my sister said it best and I, I will steal shamelessly from her. She said there's a very, very big difference between customer service and customer experience. And I think if I could paint that as the top line of my painted picture, that's how I'm going to start the newest one. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Jamie, for sharing your story. I'm so honored uh, that you and Bronick are longtime friends and partners of the business. And uh, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to, to be a part of this podcast. Anytime, Brian. Thank you so much. I'm Brian Scudamore. I always love hearing founder stories. What resonated with you? I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Instagram or Facebook.